Purdue football news. Welcome to the Golden Black Radio pregame show as we get you set for Saturday's kickoff. Now here's your host, Kyle Charter. After 15 straight losses in the series, the Boilermakers will look for a win against the Wisconsin Badgers, putting away an old nemesis while keeping pace in the Big Ten West. We'll break it all down on the Gold and Black Radio pregame show. I'm Kyle Charters, Tom Deanhart here, Ryan Newbert in a couple of minutes, Alan Karpik as well as we uh, look at the entire weekend across the Big Ten. And Tom, isn't it nice to be at this point on the season here as we get into late October and the Boilermakers have some relevancy in the Big Ten and in the West in particular, and they play a really big game up there in Camp Randall Stadium at 3.30 on Saturday. Uh, it has not been an easy place for Purdue to play over the years, nor has it been easy in ross State Stadium against the Badgers over the years. You have to go way back to 2003. Uh, but Purdue's got maybe its best opportunity on Saturday. It certainly has a lot to play for. Yeah, I'm tied for first place in the Big Ten West right now with Illinois. Who would have thought that back in August? But that's Purdue's situation. And, um, yeah, you're right. They're trying to exercise that, that with Wisconsin Demon. They, you referenced Kyle. 15 losses in a row, as you said, dating to a Purdue win in Madison in 2003. A lot of those losses have been very painful, as fans know. Purdue's had some close calls, but hasn't been able to get over that badger hurdle. Maybe it happens this Saturday, Kyle. Purdue's about a two-point underdog, but yeah, like you said, a lot of relevancy this year. It's been a fun season for Purdue. Four wins in a row, going for five wins in a row. Hasn't happened since 2007. This team has some momentum, Kyle. And I tell you what, my friend, Aiden O'Connell is on fire and he's in a groove. And when he's playing like he did last Saturday night against Nebraska, Purdue's got a shot against anybody. Yeah, I agree with you there. When Purdue's offense plays like it did last week against Nebraska in that victory, the Boilermakers certainly have uh, a good chance about just just about anyone, uh, really, certainly. Wisconsin, but Purdue puts up more than 600 yards, scores 43 points. Aiden O'Connell was great. Devin Mockaby had an excellent game. Charlie Jones was back at it again for the Boilermakers. You know, if you look at this series, Tom, it's always been the matchup in the trenches and for Purdue that has generally meant not good things. And it's a reason why, uh, even though, as you said, Purdue's been close in some of these games, I think they've been single digits maybe three times. When you look at it overall, in the 15 losses, I think the average margin of loss is nearly three touchdowns, mm. which is not good. Uh, but Purdue's offense is really dialed in. It seems like the Boilermakers are more physical in their offensive and defensive fronts this year than what they have been in a lot of these matchups. And this is not uh, this is not the best Wisconsin team ever, I don't think. I think even Badger fans would have to admit that. They've had a coaching change during the year. It's a pretty good indication that you've had uh, some issues. Maybe uh, there are some things that are working in Purdue's favor in this matchup on Saturday. Yeah, they sort of surprisingly fired Paul Christ after a two and three start. Of course, the defensive coordinator, Jim Leonard, took over Kyle. He's one and one. They're coming off a pretty bad loss at East Lansing last weekend. This will be his first game in front of the home fans. And again, they're in last place all by themselves, Kyle. So there's some pressure there to, to perform and get back on the winning track to try to salvage this season. And, yeah, boy, his 
history of this series, like you talked about, not pretty for Purdue. They were so close in 2018. The Ross Kyle, I remember a triple overtime loss. Purdue sort of, sort of let the Badgers off the hook that day. But again, the stakes for the Boilermakers are so high this year. If they can get a win, Kylie will go 4 and 0 in October. And this was a month I thought was going to define Purdue's season because three of those four games are on the road. And Purdue obviously is 3 and 0 so far with a chance to go perfect in October, which is incredible from my standpoint. I thought if they went 2 and 2, it would be good. So Purdue could be 6 and 2 as it heads into its off week next week, sitting very pretty for that home stretch in November. So, yeah, I tell you what, um, uh, again, like I said, it's a lot at stake. And, Kyle, you talked about the, the matchup in the trenches over the years in this series. It's always favored Wisconsin, but you're exactly right. Purdue O-line's playing very good, even though there's only six guys they play, but they are more physical. You talked about Devin Mockaby, who's, who's the next great fairy tale story out of this program, right, the walk-on running back who's becoming a sensation. And, and I tell you what, my, my, my friend, when Purdue's got that offensive balance, boy, Aiden O'Connor is that much more effective. Defenses have to respect the run. And, again, this is a Badger defense that isn't of vintage quality. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor, uh, you mentioned the 2018 game. I, I think he drives up from Indianapolis still and just runs up and down ross Stadium just for the heck of it. <laughs> he did, he did that the, day. Relive the glory years. Uh, Purdue's a little beat up, which has been uh, the same story every week. This year, looks like we'll be watching out for Charlie Jones on Saturday to see if he is a go or a no-go. I know on Thursday when you talked to Jeff Brom, he was uh, he was non-committal. He was maybe more non-committal than, than even he typically is. He gave you a little bit of a, a no comment there on the status of Jones. But just add him to the list, right? I mean, Purdue has sort of dealt with this all season long. You feel like they're just sort of limping their way into that bye when maybe then after the bye, Purdue – perhaps starts to get some of these guys or at least more of these guys back. But, man, not having number 15 out there on Saturday would be a real hindrance to the Boilermakers. Well, you know, everybody's beat up right now, Kyle. Every, every coach and fan base has got, a, has, has got a sad song to tell you about how all the good players are hurt. Again, everybody's dealing with stuff. Charlie Jones has been dealing with stuff since he got here. Lower body uh, issues, I'm told. And, uh, yeah, he's beat up. There's no secret about that. There's no secret, Kyle, that he has not been a regular participant in practice for, for several weeks. I know last week he didn't practice one day. And um, you're exactly right. We talked to Coach Brom Thursday after practice. He was hopeful Charlie was going to play. And then he was asked, well, did Charlie practice this week? And that's when Jeff Brom was noncommittal. So that's, I guess that leads me to think he didn't practice. Uh, the whole goal all along, Kyle, is just to get him to Saturdays. Yeah. They, you, love, you love to have him practice, right? But, man, if, he, if, if you can get him to Saturday and you have to let him not practice, you don't let him practice. <laughs> He's that important. We all know how important he is to this offense. Long story short, Kyle, I, I expect number 15 to be on the field Saturday. Um, other key guys out, um, Dylan Downey will be out, of course, again. OC Brothers will be a game-time decision, and Chris Jefferson, the defensive back, will not participate either as he deals with his off-field issues. So those are really the key guys. King Daru is going to be out there again. But, you know, by and large, you know, Purdue's not really going to be missing anybody that's super significant. Purdue's a two-point dog up there in Camp Randall. Uh, Purdue in the Big Ten has been a pretty good road dog, to say the least. 
It's, it's unbelievable how well they've just played on the road, period, Kyle. I was doing a stat, something from my notebook, and um, I can't, I think they were, I think they were, what, like five and two on the road last year or away from Ross Age Stadium. I think they're, what, three and one this year. I think the Big Ten, they were like six and one in their last seven Big Ten road games. And obviously they're an underdog in a lot of those contests, and you're exactly right. They've really had that warrior mentality when they've left West Lafayette. Uh, you know, just it's just been uncanny. So that's what good teams do, right? <clears throat> you don't just take care of business at home. If you really want to be a special team, we all know you find ways to win those road games. It's not always pretty, but you find ways to win those road games. So here Purdue goes again packing its bags to Madison and um another great opportunity to, to build that darn that to that. That, that, that road resume that they built. Much more to go in the podcast, including conversations with Brian Newbert and Alan Carpet. One thing you've always got to keep an eye on up there in Madison, especially this time of year, is the weather. Let's break for a moment. Get a weather update with WLFI meteorologist David Seipel. Hello from News 18. I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist David Seipel. The Boilermakers are taking on Wisconsin in Madison with a kickoff time around 3.30 in the afternoon. Those who are planning to take the trip up north will be entering fairly pleasant weather. Morning temperatures will be running in the mid-50s with south winds up to 15 miles per hour and partly to mostly sunny skies. By kickoff, the high temperature for the day will be around 74 with a fairly strong south wind of about 15 to 20 miles per hour, gusts up to 25 to 30. Then towards the end of the game, temperatures will fall into the mid-60s with winds continuing upwards to 15 miles per hour. Sky cover throughout the game should remain partly to mostly sunny. Overall, expect fantastic weather for Saturday's game up in Madison. From News 18, I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist David Seipel. Boiler up, hammer down. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. It's time to break it down as we go in-depth about Purdue's opponent. Hey, super happy to be joined by Matt LaPay, who's the voice of Wisconsin basketball and football. A long time, uh, long time, uh, you know, position for Matt. You've seen a lot of uh, Wisconsin sports over the years. And again, Matt, we appreciate again you joining us. And uh, I guess let's jump right in and kind of tell our fans maybe what they can expect from this Badger offense on Saturday in Camp Randall Stadium. Yeah, Tom, it's a great question because I think we're all still trying to figure out what to expect from, from, from this team in general, but especially on the offensive side. It, it's, you know, the storyline up here is, is been, it's been a team still trying to determine its identity. Um, you know, against Northwestern, they came out and threw the ball really effectively. Graham Mertz was on point. Chimray DK had a career game with, with 10 catches and, and three of those for touchdowns. Uh, People are familiar with Braylon Allen now, a season and a half of being a terrific tailback. But they've they've really had a hard time being consistent. You know, they, they've had games where there have been a ton of penalties, uh, and they've had a lot of first and fifteens and first and twenties. And it's just been hard for these guys to sustain the kind of rhythm and play the the consistent football that Wisconsin has been known for. So. That's a long answer, but the I think the short answer to your question would be we're, we're still trying to figure out up here what to expect week in and week out with this team. 
What about the defensive side of the ball? Of course, Jim Leonard is now the head coach or interim head coach, uh, the defensive coordinator up there in Madison for many years. Um, what can Purdue fans expect to see from that, from that Badger defense? Well, it, it has not been up to its very lofty standard uh, for the last several years um, that they've put together, you know, as one of the top defenses nationally, statistically. Uh, under under Coach Leonard, and, and certainly that was a case when Dave Aranda was the defensive coordinator, Justin Wilcox, uh, but but specifically with Jim, they've been top five in in many statistical categories. And this season, at times, it's been really good, and at times, I think the youth and the inexperience has has uh, shown uh, with some with some guys who are maybe forced to play because of injury. I know Jim talked about that in his news conference. Uh, on Monday morning, you know, some guys are kind of forced in there because of some other guys going down with injuries. So I, I think Tom at its best, it's still very good, but again, it's been that consistency issue where they've had some, some issues in the back end uh, with, with penalties and freebie first downs that they've allowed uh, again, not the typical Wisconsin team in that regard, but I think Jim would tell you, um, in fact, I know he would tell you that they have a lot of talented guys on this team. It's still just a matter of being able to put it together more consistently. Okay, Matt, how do you see this game unfolding on Saturday? Um, Wisconsin's about a two-point favorite. Badgers have won 15 in a row against Purdue. The most losses this program's ever experienced in succession against one other school. Haven't beaten Wisconsin since 2003 up in Madison. So, again, just kind of give us how you think this game will unfold Saturday. Well, from, from the perspective up here, it's going to be pretty tough to, to keep that streak going. I'll be really curious to see how Wisconsin's defense holds up, first of all, and now that we see that Purdue uh, has a running game that really gets people's attention, too, particularly based on what happened last week in the Boilers game against Nebraska. But, you know, I think the secondary is going to be a heck of a test for them. And then at the same time, can Wisconsin – do some things to make Aiden O'Connell uncomfortable. Um, if the answer to that question is no, then it, it could potentially be a tough day for Wisconsin um, defensively. And But I think in a nutshell, Tom, well, we talked about it with the Wisconsin team up here, those of us who are around the, the program on a regular basis, the games Wisconsin has lost, it has committed a ton of penalties, uh, I mean, we've seen double digits and accepted penalties on you know a couple different occasions with this team this season, and the turnover battle. Wisconsin historically, and when I say historically, I guess I go back to the Alvarez years. The better teams have committed very few penalties and almost always win the turnover battle, and that hasn't been the case against Northwestern. Wisconsin was a plus three, one handily cut down the penalties, one handily. I know Northwestern's struggling this year, but that place has been a nightmare for Wisconsin to play for, for more than 20 years going down to Evanston. Other games, uh, for instance, last week against Michigan State, Spartans committed a lot of penalties, but so did Wisconsin. Uh, Badgers turned it over twice. Michigan State converted those turnovers into touchdowns. Uh, if Wisconsin can do things to help itself and not hurt itself, It'll have a chance in every game that it plays, including this one and the rest of the games on the schedule. But it's also demonstrated that when it gets sloppy, when it turns the ball over, loses the turnover battle, when it commits a lot of penalties, then it could lose 
Saturday and to everybody else on the schedule. So I think we're just up here. We just want to see Wisconsin give itself the best chance to win. Uh, I know Paul Chris talked about that. You got to, you got to play your opponent, but at times you got to be able to overcome yourself. And this team still hasn't proven the ability to do that week in and week out. Should be interesting, Matt. Um, I know Wisconsin wants to get back on track. And Purdue wants to keep its momentum going, trying to get a fifth win in a row for the first time since 2007. Matt LePay, the voice of Wisconsin football and basketball, thank you very much, sir, for joining us. We appreciate your time. Always a pleasure, Tom. Enjoy the trip. Safe travels. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill. Industrial and classic, the restaurant is built like a steakhouse but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. East End Grill and Downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. Broadcasting from Golden Black World Headquarters, north of Purdue's campus, this is the Golden Black Radio Pregame Show. Let's bring in Brian Newber to get his perspective on the Boilermakers and the Badgers. Brian, I think perspective on this one is, is heavily in Wisconsin's favor, to say the least. They not only have won these games, they've won these games at times by a whole lot of points. The 62-17 to 17 game uh, stands out to me. That, that was a good one. Purdue lost, what was it, 37 to nothing? In one of the games, the average margin of loss for Purdue is around 21 points over the 15-game losing streak. Um, of course, the first one was the Kyle Orton game. Uh, we all know what happened with the fumble in that one. And uh, Purdue's been working a long time to try to maybe erase that a little bit, and perhaps they have an opportunity on Saturday. Yeah, you had them beat a couple of years ago, um, and had you just held on to that game, uh, you know, we'd be talking, the nature of this conversation would be a little bit different, but the reality is you didn't. And, you know, here Purdue is riding this eons long losing streak, much of which hasn't been competitive. But the moral of the story here is that every team is different, every season's different. And all those guys wearing Wisconsin jerseys are very different than the guys who've been wearing Wisconsin jerseys for 15 years. The coach is different. Everything's different about this Wisconsin team. This is not the same sort of physically overwhelming on both sides of the ball Wisconsin team that has historically been a nightmarish matchup for Purdue. Um, so I don't know how much history really matters, but it does. It is worth talking about because you know this is a Wisconsin program that is 
pretty much had its way with Purdue for a very long time, with the exception of a couple of games that, you know, Purdue really should have won, starting with the game with the fumble and then the game I mentioned a couple of years ago. I think it was double overtime. But the reality is Purdue didn't win the games that were there to be won, and that only adds to kind of the, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a hex factor or whatever. It's just things don't work out well when Purdue plays Wisconsin, and this is a golden opportunity here for Purdue to uh, to end that streak because this is probably as beatable a Wisconsin team as – you know, produce seen in some time, but that being said, certainly not one they can take for granted. Do you believe in the curse of the Billy Goat, the Bambino, all that good stuff? Does Purdue have to win against Wisconsin at some point and and you know put the the loss in two thousand four behind it to take that step forward to to be a team to beat in the Big Ten West? I believe in matchups, um, but I do believe in to a certain extent, the symbolism of what it might mean to get this albatross off your shoulder, because this is what obviously a lot of people will talk about when they go on TV. Um, you know, for the broadcast, this is a lot of what our story is going to be about all week. You know, the players probably know about this, whether they care or not. I have no idea. Obviously, Jeff Brown made a point on Monday to, to mention the fact that Purdue's not had a lot of success against these guys, especially. You know, I shouldn't say especially, but um, including during 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 his tenure at Purdue, um, I think the symbolic factor of them getting over this hump, maybe in some small way, is something people care about after it happens, if it happens. But I, I, I don't necessarily believe in curses or anything like that. I think the issue with Wisconsin for twenty years has been the fact that they're rolling out four hundred pound offensive linemen and leading on. 250 pound defensive ends and just wearing you out and twisting the knife on a massive depth advantage and a massive physicality advantage against the personnel Purdue more often than not has, has been rolling out there. Wisconsin, you know, is sort of like that team that doesn't beat itself, uh, but also beats the hell out of you. And that's part of the reason they have been, you know, super successful for, for a very long time and especially against Purdue. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back with more. You're listening to Gold and Black Radio. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-587-3185 to talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-587-3185. What else is going on around the league? Let's take a look. It's the Big Ten Roundup. Let's bring in Alan Carpet to talk a little bit of Big Ten football. What else is going on? around the league outside of Madison. There are only four other games in Big Ten play this weekend. Let's talk about uh, those four games. New kickoff on Saturday in Columbus. Number two, Ohio State hosting Iowa. One team, Allen, can play offense. The other one cannot and has an offensive coordinator that cannot see any upside of changing quarterbacks. Uh, (laughs) Buckeyes are favored 
by 30. 30 points. Wow. Uh, it should be all yeah. Ohio State in this one. I mean, if, if Ohio State scores three touchdowns, the game is over. Uh, that I would agree with. And it's interesting because Iowa is as good as the Hawkeyes are defensively, and they're pretty good. Uh, they're very good. Uh, still, to think that Ohio State's a 30-point favorite over Iowa seems like a lot. Uh, and, you know, you wonder if there will come a time when Ohio State and C.J. Stroud and company, and, of course, their company is that receiving crew, the core that they have that's just un, unmatched probably in college football, at least in the Big Ten. Uh, will they become disinterested in a game like this? But uh, I can't see a scenario where Iowa can score enough points to stay in a game, but I'm not sure – you know, is it a 37-7 game? Maybe so. And uh, maybe Iowa does a good job defensively and holds Ohio State to 37. Maybe you have to give them credit for that. But uh, Ohio State should roll. Ohio State is uh, is the class of the Big Ten with Michigan, maybe up against its heels. But I've still yet to see anybody that can do what Ohio State can do on offense. Rutgers is hosting Indiana at uh, noon on Saturday. Rutgers gets the three points at home here in this one, favored by the field goal. Indiana has lost four consecutive games. If it is to make a bowl game, this is must win because even if it wins this game, it has to find a way then if you assume it's going to lose to Penn State and Ohio State, which I think it will, then the Hoosiers still would have to beat Michigan State and Purdue. Even that seems unlikely, but if it loses to Rutgers, then it has to find a way to either beat Penn State or Ohio State, which just seems completely impossible. So I would agree for the Hoosiers. Yeah. If Indiana doesn't make a bowl game, man, I think there are a lot of questions to be asked in Indiana. Yeah, I mean, Tom Allen is is as much as he was the flavor of the month two years ago. Is just uh, it, it's gotten to that point, and yet they're in a hopeless situation. I keep saying because they're in the division that they're in. You know, I, I think Indiana is better than they've. You know, I, it's just this is a hard one to figure out. Rutgers likes to shoot itself in the rear end with penalties <laughs> and fumbles and all that kind of stuff. So this game should be really interesting in, a, in an uninteresting way, I suppose, from the gambling standpoint. It's a fascinating game of which nine people will be watching. But it will be – I wouldn't be shocked if Indiana pulls the upset there just because I, I think Indiana's got a little bit more offensively. I understand Rutgers is the favorite, but uh, – Somebody's got to win this one, and it's going to be an interesting game. And you're right about Indiana. They have to think, uh, you know, it's Michigan. It's this game, Michigan State and Purdue. And, you know, the Purdue game obviously could have a – Purdue could have a lot riding on that game in Bloomington on November 26th. So I'm not giving the Hoosiers a lot of chance in that one either. 3.30 kickoff, Maryland hosting Northwestern. Uh, the Terps <laughs> are a 14-point favorite. Just another game that just feels – a very lopsided, especially if Talia Tungavailola plays, which it seems like he probably is going to after getting a little bit nicked last week. But a chance for the Terps to get bowl eligibility, and you know they've been pretty good. Yeah, I mean, in going to Indiana after the after the disappointing loss at Purdue and finding a way to win that game was important, certainly to the Terrapins. Northwestern has been all-time awful, and yet, I, I, as I say every week, I love Pat Fitzgerald, but you have to start to wonder where, where things are in that program right now. I just can't see a scenario where – I could see a scenario where Maryland could play, you know, make some mistakes, and that game could be competitive for a while. 
but Maryland's got too much offense and, and Northwestern just doesn't do anything very well right now. And I just think that they win that game and Maryland's got some things to play for. They got, I think it dinged them up uh, losing to Purdue. That that was a, such a disappointing loss to them and, and their hopes for really having a big year. Uh, so I think that they'll, they'll hold serve, hold focus and, and beat Northwestern handily. Primetime games, 7.30 Penn State hosting Minnesota. Penn State is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Seems like maybe they should be more than that. Minnesota, I don't know. Man, it, the more you see the Gophers, the more you feel like maybe that beginning of the season with those three terrible non-conference games and then a, a Michigan State team that wasn't very good either. Perhaps that all created a little bit of a mirage here about how good Minnesota was. I, I just don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they, you know, come back this week in a tough road environment at Penn State. Yeah, and I think Penn State again was was kind of humbled last week. You would think they would be focused. Minnesota does run the football uh, in theory quite well uh, with Ibrahim, and and yet, you know, obviously against Purdue he did not play. Tanner Morgan hasn't been very good. They've got some injury issues. You know, can Penn State stop the run? I guess that'll be the question. Minnesota has gone there over the years and has played well in Happy Valley, but I think Penn State, though I'm still not wildly sold on them, I think Minnesota, I lost a lot of uh, respect. I don't know if that's the right word, but the fact that they got uh, thumped by Illinois uh, in Champaign showed me a lot of where the Golden Gophers are right now. That is the Big Ten Roundup. Let's go back in time. With a historical look, here's Alan Karthik. All right, Al, let's take a historical look at Purdue and Wisconsin. Uh, That historical look includes a lot of losses (laughs) here recently, 15 of them in a row. I think there are, like, there are times in Purdue sports history where you, like, know exactly where you were when something happened. And I think everyone (laughs) knows exactly where they were when Kyle Orton fumbled the football. Right. I mean, I can picture being in the press box and sort of the exact angle to the field that I'm looking at. I know that Brian was in the staircase headed down toward the field and missed that it had happened. Uh, I would imagine you were in the radio booth at the time. Um, no, well, you know, it was it was funny, not funny at all, but I was with the. Uh... Rob Blackman, we were in the elevator walking and then we got into concourse because we did the post-game show at, at, a, at a restaurant. So we were hustling our way to the post-game show and all of a sudden he's heard this gasp. And, you know, I mean, and, and again, we were under the stands in, in the north end of Ross State Stadium, heard the gasp and said, holy cow, I didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, that uh, oh my gosh, there's something that's happened. Didn't say that either, but the all of a sudden, you look up and, and Wisconsin scored a touchdown. Now, I did stay in the stands. We watched in the north end zone. And, of course, people forget that Purdue had a field goal chance at the end of that game. Yeah. Ben Jones had a chance to win that game uh, still and didn't make it. But as much as I love Kyle Orton, and uh, he impressed me on his visit here a couple weeks ago, just uh, what, a, what a, a, a sharp guy he was. But to have that on your shoulders, even though it really, you know, it was a, you know, we have the picture on the front of Golden Black where he's, helmets being held i know that that's that's a bang bang call and you're not going to call probably face mask in that yeah. situation but unbelievable moment unbelievable turn in the history of purdue football and yes that was purdue wisconsin purdue was riding a one game winning streak going into that game yeah. and then they haven't won since yeah 15 consecutive it's it's uh it's a long streak to say the least of losses yeah 
It is. You know, you look at you know, in Purdue historians will remember the Purdue beat Iowa 20 consecutive years from 1961 to 1980. And you thought you could never lose to Iowa. I can remember basketball, of all things, Purdue and Wisconsin. Purdue won like 27 straight games against Wisconsin in basketball in the 80s and 90s. Of course, that is that has changed. But my point is streaks are interesting in college football in the Big Ten. I know Indiana and Michigan had a long, long streak. But this one's getting really, really long. And if Purdue doesn't take care of business on Saturday afternoon, uh, uh, it's going to continue. Al, we know there have been a lot of losses. There have actually also been wins during this series. You just have to go back a few years. Right. You know, you look at the highs and lows. 2000, the high for Purdue. Of course, Purdue's magical run through October, October 21st, 2000. Ashante Woodyard uh, gets the uh, scoop and score off the Craig Terrell, former Golden Black intern, no less, uh, makes the block, uh, blocks the field goal. Wisconsin tried to kick a very, very long field goal in that situation in overtime, blocks it and wins the game. Purdue, uh, uh, maybe the only walk-off, one of the few walk-off wins I can remember in, in Purdue football. That was the high. And of course, that led Purdue to the next week when the Boilermakers played Ohio State and really put itself in great Rose Bowl position with the great uh, Drew Brees and Seth Morales win. But the low, Kyle, 1988, and uh, I was working at just to start in the athletic department, and it was nine to six. Purdue was beats Wisconsin in probably the worst college football game I've seen. Wisconsin zero and seven over a coach named Don Morton, who was hired by Wyoming, was supposed to be their savior. Their savior. He ran the triple option. I think the game took two hours and ten minutes because both teams <laughs> ran the ball, but Purdue won thirty-eight thousand people. That's it that were in Wisconsin. It was long before jump around. Of course, Purdue uh, started the jump around or Wisconsin started the jump around against Purdue in 1998, the day that Drew Brees threw 83 passes and completed 55 in that, but threw too many to Jamar Fletcher in that uh, 31-24 loss. But the 88 game, it still is on my uh, my radar as the worst college football game I've seen, and yet Purdue got the win in the 9-6 to uh, uh, Donnybrook in Madison. Yeah, there you go. All right, thanks, Alan. There you go. <laughs> thanks. That's a historical view. Okay, that's Alan Carpick. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more on Golden Black Radio. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at twdesignbuild.com. Broadcasting from Golden Black World Headquarters, north of Purdue's campus, this is the Golden Black Radio Pregame Show. Let's bring Tom back in and talk a little bit of matchups for this one, Purdue and Wisconsin, then get our predictions as well. Tom, earlier we did not talk a whole lot about Purdue's defense against this uh, Wisconsin offense. Yet again, the Badgers will put another big old running back out there on the field behind a big offensive line, but Man, Purdue's defense has been pretty good against the run this year. Um, you know, they'll try to stack up and stop the run again on Saturday. But they've got to do that without giving up a jillion yards through the air. I think it was 360 last week against Casey Thompson. There were plays of what? 72-64. There was a 50-something yarder in there, a 45-yarder, a 39-yarder, I think. I mean, it was just... Crazy stats <laughs> for the corner for passing game. I don't know if Graham Mertz can do that 
um, like like Thompson can. But you just, I mean, you just can't leave guys running wide open, like wide open. <laughs> yeah, it was exasperating for anybody in attendance who watched on television. And that was another issue that Jeff Rom talked about on Thursday in his final words to the media, obviously telling us they have been trying to work on that pass defense. Uh, they sat down with players. They talked to them. They discussed strategies. And, you know, Jeff Rom pointed out, Kyle, it is a veteran secondary. I mean, Cam Allen's a true senior. Snoozy Kane's a true junior. Got three fifth-year senior cornerbacks, Kyle, and uh, you know Corey Trice and Reese Taylor and Jamari Brown. So it's not like you're dealing with a lot of inexperience back there. They just got to play smarter, I think. Jeff Rom talked about cushion and whatnot. So they hope that they got to figure it out, Kyle. You know, Jeff Rom said they they thought they had before, and they sprung some more leaks last Saturday. And to your point about Graham Mertz, yeah, I agree. He's not really a guy I think who's maybe equipped to beat Purdue like we saw Casey Thompson. Wisconsin just doesn't have the receivers either. Um, but you still don't want to take your chances. And you know Wisconsin's going to take his chances, right? So uh, Purdue's going to be uh, have, his, have, his, have to have his head on a swivel. I still do expect it to commit to trying to stop Braylon Allen, that great Wisconsin running back. You can't let him run wild. If he does, you're going to have a hard time beating the Badgers. We all know that. So, again, you have to try to slow down that ground game. And just hope your D-backs to keep things pinned up where they're not getting B for a bunch of bunch of long pass plays again. This game is sort of funny in that if you're Wisconsin, it's almost like the roles are reversed here a little bit. I know Wisconsin's favored, but the Badgers sort of have a you know, Jim Leonard and the Badgers sort of have a lot to play for here in this game. It's on their home field. Mm-hmm. They come off a bad loss against Michigan State. You know, I think a lot of people think that this is his job to lose. But maybe this is the kind of game that he yep. can lose it in, <laughs> you know. You know, um, isn't there is there is there oddly a little bit of pressure here on Wisconsin to win this game? Oh, without a doubt, I think you, you summed it up pretty well. Like I said earlier, too, this will be his first time in front of the home fans, and he's coming off a pretty bad loss at East Lansing. We've talked about too, and and you're right. I think the assumption is this is his job to lose, and. Uh, this is his audition, if you will. And so far, I think the reviews have to be mixed, right? You beat a really bad Northwestern team, and then you lose to a bad Michigan State team. Now you're coming home to play a Purdue team at homecoming, a program you've dominated for almost 20 years. Uh, I mean, you certainly don't want to fall to Purdue, even though, uh, you know, we all know the Boilermakers are on the ride. So you're right. I think there's, there's pressure on Jim Lantern in this Wisconsin program. They already have, I think, four losses. And um, last in the Big Ten with three league losses. So, yeah, their, their season's starting to circle the drain if they don't care take care of business against Purdue. Um, this thing could really spiral out of control, you think. Who you got on Saturday? I went, I went Purdue. I went Purdue. I think the Boilers are going to win 40-28. to 28. Uh, I think they're going to find a way finally to get over this, this, this mental and physical hurdle of Did you say, Wisconsin. You said 40? 40. 40. All right. Yeah. <laughs> the Wisconsin secondary, I'm told, is really banged up. And they're struggling back in the back end of that defense. And with the way O'Connell's playing, TJ Sheffield, Charlie Jones, Payne Durham, Devin Mockaby, I think this offense for Purdue is really rolling with that balance. And if they can get a lead, Kyle, and get that Wisconsin defense filled with doubt on its heels, 
I think they can really strike uh, strike for some gold. And I guess, again, that would make Wisconsin have to throw the ball more than it likes to, too, and that could really play into the hands of that Purdue defense. I will be shocked, and I think everybody will be happy if Purdue could win a two-possession game. I mean, that would be crazy. Every, everything is so nerve-wracking. Uh, I've got Purdue a little bit closer. I like the Boilermakers in this one as well, 23-20. to 20. I think it comes down to the fourth quarter. But Aiden O'Connell has had a knack for the dramatic. Sometimes it has gone against Purdue. But I feel like in this instance, in this big a game, I think the Boilermakers are going to find a way. Maybe it's on a late uh, late field goal. Uh, but they'll find a way to win a narrow one again in the fourth quarter. And, and Purdue will finally end that drought uh, sandwiched between two games in Camp Randall in 2000. Three and here in 2022. It'll be a good one, though, I think, and, and a challenge for Purdue. Should be an exciting game to see where, you know, Purdue maybe six and two going into that bye. Who would have thought that after uh, the Boilermakers started one and two on the season? Would set up, you know, Purdue would play Iowa. They do play Iowa coming out of their, their off week, Kyle. I mean, of course, that would set up a potentially big game November 12th in Champaign, Illinois, against the Illini team. Could be a battle of the two first-place teams that, that Saturday to get to the driver's seat of the Big Ten West. I know I'm getting way ahead of myself, but those are the type of stakes that loom for Purdue if it can continue to take care of business here. Thanks, Tom. Take care, buddy. That'll do it for our podcast. Be sure to rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, leave us a comment as well. Thanks to our sponsors. And for Tom Dean Hart, Brian Newbert, and Alan Karpik, I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Gold and Black Radio.